This recording begins with a reading of the Gospel of the Day. That will be followed by the homily from Father Paul O'Brien. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. On leaving the synagogue, Jesus entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law lay sick with a fever. They immediately told him about her. He approached, grasped her hand, and helped her up. Then the fever left her, and she waited on them. When it was evening, after sunset, they brought to him all who were ill or possessed by demons. The whole town was gathered at the door. He cured many who were sick with various diseases, and he drove out many demons, not permitting them to speak because they knew him. Rising very early before dawn, he left and went off to a deserted place where he prayed. Simon and those who were with him pursued him, and on finding him said, Everyone is looking for you. He told them, Let us go on to the nearby villages, that I may preach there also. For this purpose have I come. So he went into their synagogues, preaching and driving out demons throughout the whole of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. Please raise your hand if you know somebody who currently is suffering from physical illness. Raise your hand if you know someone who, what do you, people live in shoes? Come on, think here. Do you know somebody who is currently suffering from physical illness? Most of us do. Some of you are clearly hungover because physical illness is around us all the time. You almost would have to close your eyes to not, and maybe you do, to not recognize people near you who are suffering from physical illness. I invite you to join me this week based on these passages in focusing on them and on what kind of friends we are to those people. So the first reading is from the book of Job in the Old Testament. This is written probably five or seven centuries before Jesus. I think you know that in the Bible, there are many different kinds of literature, the form of the writing that the inspired writers write. Job is an example of, it is a story. It's not something based, it could be connected to people in history, but it is absolutely a story. It's a masterpiece of all time about the mystery of innocent suffering. Jewish people and Christian people like us also believe it's the word of God. God uniquely inspired those authors and used them to reveal truths through this story. So the, the goal is always, what is God revealing through this story? I'll explain why I'm emphasizing this story part. Because in the story, the devil wants to make a man named Job break his relationship with God. Job is an adult man with a large family. He's prosperous. He has a very active relationship with God. He lives his faith. He's, a, he's not just a righteous man, he's a blameless man. He doesn't have any serious sin in his life. The devil brings all sorts of horrible realities into his life in order to try to get Job to break his relationship with God. So that's the story part. Is that the way the devil works? Absolutely not. It is a story. We know from the rest of the scripture from Jesus, this is not the kind of power the devil has. So the devil does terrible things in this story. All of Job's children are killed. His property is stolen and destroyed. And he gets a very serious, absolutely revolting physical illness from which he deeply suffers. The suffering, like many 
serious illnesses is not just physical. Physically, it's terrible, but it also has an emotional, psychological, spiritual impact on him. We heard a little bit of it in that first reading. Job goes into a really profound depression. He feels that he will never be happy again. His days are miserable. His nights are restless. Have you ever had this experience? The day is uh, the end of the day, nothing gets accomplished. It's drudgery, and then he's up at night distressed over how, when am I going to wake up? He hopes that death will come to relieve him of this suffering. So this man is suffering physically and all of this other reality, which you could say is worse, that comes with the physical suffering. In the story, there are some other characters. One group of characters are a group of his friends. These friends come to Job, they discuss what's going on, and they say, the reason you're suffering like this is because of your sinfulness. At their time and place, people have still a lot of cloudiness about if something so horrible happens to a good person, that person must have done something wrong. Jesus makes clear that's not true. They've got a limited understanding of God and how the world works, which is fine. The issue is they can't accept the mystery. Nobody knows in the story what you and I know as the readers. In fact, the reason for all this is the devil is doing this. They take their limited knowledge, their speculation, and the conclusion is they tell Job, confess to God your awful sin. He says, I don't have any awful sin. I'm paraphrasing. Confess it to God. If he does what they're telling him to do, he will do what the devil is trying to accomplish. If he lies to God, if he lies to God, saying he's got sin that he doesn't really have, he's breaking his relationship with God. Are you following this? These friends are the kinds of friends who shove their limited knowledge and their discomfort with mystery into your face. And in fact, they're not knowingly doing this. They're doing what the devil wants them to do. Another character is Job's wife. She is a piece of work. This woman says, this is what she tells her husband, curse God and die. Lovely, yes? Wake up to that in the morning. Curse God and die. So similarly, wherever she's coming from, if he does what she tells her to do, he is breaking his relationship with God. To curse God is the worst thing that you can do to God. So in the story, Job ends up growing as a person of faith. In all this suffering, which is horrible, there's nothing good about the suffering, he makes the decision that he's going to pursue God. He listens to these people who are giving him such bad advice, and he rejects what they tell him to do. Instead, he asks more questions of God. He gets very demanding of God. He tells God what he wants God to do. God doesn't just do what he demands, but God does respond. God speaks back to him. God helps him understand much more of the truth. In the end, in the story, God removes all of the evil things and the suffering goes away. But in the process, he experiences God's healing love. He grows Job through this as a stronger person, a person who knows God more, who says yes to God, who is more humble about himself, which he should be, he emerges as a person with a deeper relationship with God. Those friends could have been friends who were part of that. They could have accompanied him and worked with him for what actually turns out, that he does grow with God through the suffering. 
Instead, they were friends who were not at all instruments of God's healing love. Okay, so to me that is the context of, well, the question, what kind of, how can I be a godly friend to a person who is suffering physical illness? The answer, of course, is through Jesus. Jesus is God. He shows us God's truth in every situation. Jesus is also a fully human being with every temptation that any one of us ever has. What Jesus says and does with people who are physically ill is how you and I can live if we choose to imitate him. So, passage we just heard is from the first chapter of Mark. We picked up right where we left off last week. Jesus is in Capernaum. He has just freed a person from a demon in the synagogue. Remember last week? He then goes to the home of Simon Peter and Andrew, along with James and John, first four people called to be part of the twelve. They go into the house, and it turns out that Simon Peter's mother-in-law lay, is laying ill with a fever. So it's probably pretty serious in Jesus' time and place. There is no medicine for this, or I don't think there's any medicine for this. So they tell her, him about her immediately. They have witnessed the power of God in Jesus. I presume they tell him about this, hoping that he can do something about it. What does Jesus do? You and I can do, in one way or another, all of this. Not the miracle, but all of this. Jesus chooses to pay attention to her. He doesn't just turn his head. He doesn't say, get me something to eat, whatever, that's her issue. She'll get over it. He chooses to pay attention to this woman's physical illness, not to be taken for granted. He chooses to enter into her situation, to enter into her suffering. That's compassion. She is experiencing a passion. He enters into it with her. He chooses to take her hand he actually touches this woman. No small thing. Have you ever been afraid to touch a sick person? I have been. Jesus touches this woman. He then raises her up. And in this experience, the fever miraculously leaves her. That is unique to Jesus. He has the full miraculous healing power of God. This is wild. The fever immediately leaves her. But fundamentally, this experience is not the physical healing. It's much more deeply an encounter with Jesus's healing love. What he does with that woman is he lives healing love. Why do I say this? After the fever is taken away, she immediately serves all of those people. Not like she goes off to some corner into some subservient role. Jesus says, that he has come not to be served, but to serve. Jesus says the greatest of his disciples will be the servant of everyone. She's not able to, she's not analyzing this. She has encountered selfless serving love himself. It has powerfully entered her body, but it has powerfully entered her soul. When she goes and serves, she's not just a woman with new life and a vibrant life and purpose in life, she is a woman with healing love moving her. When Jesus heals this woman, he is inviting her, like everybody else whose life he touches, 
to something much greater. I think we've talked about this so often here. Every single person who experiences a miraculous healing with Jesus in the scripture or today doesn't get a get out of suffering card. This woman, like everyone else who experiences a miraculous healing, she's gonna face illness again. She's gonna face suffering. She's gonna face early death. Excuse me, not early death, earthly death. If she through this makes the choice, like everyone else who's invited to follow Jesus, to become his disciple, he will take her hand for the rest of her life. He will lead her through the joys and the sorrows, through whatever suffering comes, all the way through the rest of her life, and he will lead her to eternal life if she lives as his disciple. Eternal life where there's no suffering, where there is no illness. It all is taken away eternally. Final thing, in that passage, I know we're all just kind of waking up this morning. In the translation we just heard, it says that Jesus helps her up. And I have said in this homily, he raises her up because the verb in Greek is he raises her up. I don't know why this is translated this way. It's the same verb that Mark uses in Mark 14 when Jesus predicts his resurrection. In the Mount of Olives, he says to his disciples as he's going to go off to be crucified, I will be raised, when I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. It's the same verb in Matthew 16 that a young man who turns out to be an angel says to Mary Magdalene and the women in the empty tomb, he has been raised up. The gospel writer is trying to hammer at us that Jesus eventually offers her eternal life. He will heal her eternally. This is what he does to anyone who accepts and lives his healing love. So, exercise this week. I invite you to join me. I promise you I will do this. Please consider doing it. Identify one person in your life, a new person. Some of you are caretakers for people with physical illness. An additional person or one person that's more than zero, fewer than two. That would be the minimum. One single person whom you recognize today is suffering because of physical illness. This week, just spend some quick time, just what do you see in this person? How is this person suffering? Enter into this person's life in a new way and act like Jesus. Just consider the passage again when you go home, the beginning of the gospel passage. He chooses to pay attention to her. He enters into her passion. He touches her. He raises her up. You and I do not have miraculous healing power, but we are loaded with gifts from Jesus. We have so much time. We have all that we've learned about him. We have so much insight into what people are experiencing. We have our words. Enter in as consciously as possible to do this for Jesus. I don't mean wearing a 24-inch crucifix and bashing the person over the head and saying, I'm doing this for Jesus. Have a cookie. I mean, be maximally clear yourself. What is it you're saying? What, you have your prayer, among other things. What is it you're saying? What is you're doing to be maximally the instrument of his healing love? Not being nice, being an instrument of Jesus Christ's healing love for this one person. If we do this, we come back next week, we will be better.
You have been listening to Father Paul O'Brien, pastor of St. Patrick Parish in Lawrence, Massachusetts. For more information about the parish and to get involved, please go to stpatrickparish.com or follow us on social media. Thank you for listening.